Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast, or what we should say is the Full 10 Yards Draft Podcast, and so we're on the morning, well, the afternoon after the first round, um, we're all here, fresh, bright and early, for a few coffees, I'm sure, have gone down between us after a late night up till about half five in the UK, if you lasted to the end, well done to you, but we've got Ed, Raj, Andy and Liam, a return for Liam as well on the podcast, good to have him back. Looking fresh face, not too bad amongst ourselves. Um, ready for another night, I'm sure. But um, a few mixed emotions, I think, around the group. And we saw Raj, and we've, I'm sure we've heard Andy's thoughts on the Liz Dolphins podcast the day before, and we can kind of put two and two together with that. But guys, how are we feeling about the the draft in general? Are we happy it's begun. We're happy it's here at least. Yeah, I'm happy. But uh, I, one thing to note, I missed the bunker because yesterday was half draft, half pop concert with a mix of Kings of Leon and Sweet Caroline. I was like, what's going on here? But pop, right? great for the draft to be back. Yeah, they did. They dragged it out a little bit, didn't they, with the music? Oh, and just they, a bit. It just took ages to get going. Yeah, no, it was, uh, they, they wanted to make a song and dance out of it for sure. But yeah, it's finally day one's out the window. Day one's out the window and we've reached day two. So the best day of the draft, in my opinion. And I'm sure quite a few of you will agree yeah, with that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the Seahawks, right? It's the only time you, it's when you start, usually. <laughs> yeah, usually. I'm ready for us to trade back even further as well, which is, I think, very likely. What is it? Is it three picks in total that you've got if you don't move? Yeah, yeah, three picks in total. I think Yeah, I think, I think we're going back again. Probably. Yeah, I would, I would say that. Right then, so yeah, let's get into it. We're, just, we're not going to go through every pick. We're just going to kind of stop off at the, at the interesting you know, sort of points of call. Not going to stop off at Trevor Lawrence going to the Jags. I don't understand how they took 10 minutes over that. But I just, I mean, I don't, that was you know, great, wasn't it? It was just like so infuriating, just like after the, the slow start to it and then just like taking almost 10 minutes to put it in. Someone in one of my other chats was like, oh, maybe they're taking the time to print the jersey. And I was like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> they've done that ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> Since, especially because Trevor Lawrence had one in his house with 16 on it, not just the usual one. So they've definitely like known for a little while. But yeah, thanks for that, guys. Um, yeah, another not surprising picture. Zach Wilson going to number two. Again, could have just about as bad a kept a secret as Trevor Lawrence was. Um, yeah, <laughs> celebrating that one. Do you want to say a quick word on that one, actually? Because you've obviously been a big advocate of this over the past year. Spent uh, a couple of years like calling him a real dark horse, a real quarterback sleeper and that, and can't wait to see who gets him where he goes. And for him to have risen to number two overall, it's, it's uh, yeah, I, I kept saying I still find it amusing, but yeah, I can't wait to see him in the AFC East. And um, I think the Jets got a really good one. Did him a little favour later on, didn't they, with Elijah Rotucker going there as well, and teaming up with Mackay Beckton. Should have a, a decent line, just like he did have at BYU. It's going to be a mean, strong side, isn't it? He's, he's pretty safe. Yeah, yeah. And like I say, you know, he, he was pretty safe in college, wasn't he? So should make his transition a little bit easier. So then we get to number three, where the draft really got interesting and actually began in earnest, I would say. And, you know, we were right all along. It was never going to be Matt Jones, was it? <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if it ever was. What do we reckon? What do we reckon? No, I don't reckon it ever was. No. I think the interesting point for me is, is everyone said Trey Lance isn't going to start right away, but that fractured relationship between Jimmy G and, and Shanahan, it looks like it's beyond repair. Like, so is Trey Lance going to start week one or is he going to start pretty early? Because 
also as well, just obviously looking from a Dolphins hat, the Dolphins have mortgaged their first round pick next year on the San Francisco side rather than the Dolphins side. So they must have known that Trey Lance probably is going to be the pick there. Um, so that would be really, really interesting to see what how Shanahan plays next year. I think they're hoping it's going to light a fire under Jimmy G, like what uh, Jordan Love did to Aaron Rodgers. The problem is that Garoppolo isn't Aaron Rodgers. So it's there's going to be, uh, I think, greater competition there. Yeah, it, you're right, Rog. It's going to be really interesting to see because I think Lance has got a really good chance to start week one. I'd also say, and this is the thing I find, is that there's there's still got to be a team out there that will be interested in Jimmy G if he's on the block for something. And the 49ers can probably just accept that Trey Lance will start week one. And that, I mean, I, I know I'm a lot bigger on Trey Lance than everyone else. I, he's my quarterback too in this draft. I think he is a phenomenal talent. But I actually think he's a lot more pro-ready than people give him credit for. Like he ran the most pro-ready scheme at North Dakota State. He has as many college starts as Mac Jones. And, and he is so intelligent and reads the game so well. And my issue... And my issue isn't with him on the mental side of whether he'll be ready to start. It's the the mechanic side. It's whether he's going to be, you know, consistently at the point where you know he can throw with accuracy. And but the issue with him is, I think, is mechanics is more. It's less than mechanics itself. It's more throwing with a sturdy base. And I think that they'll be able to get around that because Shanahan can be able to just say, okay, first few weeks we're going to keep it pretty simple. We're not going to make you run on the move on the run too much. I can make this offense really simple and really good. So I don't think they'll have any issue starting in week one. And yet if they have to trot Nick Mullins out there for a couple of weeks, so be it. It's the future. But I think that I think Trey Lance is he'll win an MVP within five years. I think. I think that is the best pick of this draft. And the 49ers are going to be very, very smug for the next few years with him behind center. Wait, is it is that Ed or is that Kieran? Also, I think this is, this is another point I would say on this, and it's the fact that I love Trey Lance, so I thought it was the right pick, right? But if Matt Jones or Justin Fields had gone there, they'd probably been really good as well. If you said, I would, if you said oh, Matt Jones is going to win the Super Bowl in his rookie contract in San Francisco, wouldn't shock me. He got there with Jimmy G. So, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's too big a claim to suggest this because I think any quarterback that goes to Shanahan is going to be really good. It's just that he's got, you know, the one with, the, you know, the best physical tool set available. You know, this, Shanahan's always been looking for this guy who can do anything, who, can, who has a big arm, who can make the right decisions on the fly, who can run. This is RG3, hopefully, but with a far higher ceiling as a passer. So this is genuinely scary. Genuinely, because I there are so many possibilities. Because Traylon, there is nothing he can't do for Shanahan. Yeah, there are weaknesses in this game, but if Shanahan he can do anything with his playbook, so it's yeah, the possibilities are endless. With that, then obviously, with you guys saying that, and you mentioned Nick Mullins, and they've also got Josh Rosen on the roster as well at the moment. You know, does that mean that Jimmy G is on the from San Francisco 49ers roster come week one, do we think? Or do we think he's going to be shipped out maybe today, maybe in the next few weeks? Anyone got any thoughts on that? 
just where's the kind of gap for him now? I mean, like, a, quite, I, I genuinely thought the Pats would pass over uh, Jones last night, would come on to that something, and then that would be a natural fit, wouldn't it? Or if Fields had gone a bit earlier than the Bears, maybe could have, like, you know, reached out and, and kind of brought him in as well. But where's the fit now? I mean, most teams are, I can't think off the top of my head, any team that's, like, gagging for a quarterback anymore, really. Te- and, Texans. It's the only one I can see Texans because they've got the New England, obviously, tree up, up at... Um, in terms of Casero and you know Jimmy G, so and is Tyrod Taylor really the man? Um, and obviously all the stuff with Deshaun Watson. So for me, that's the only place that I can see him going. But the thing is, like, Texans haven't got many picks, and are they are mm. they going to surrender picks to to go and get Jimmy G? That that's the quandary there. Mm. I was going to say it's a good thought, but what have they got to give? Thanks to Bill O'Brien, they've got nothing to offer. It's got to be a future rather than this year, because it's what a third. Third's the highest pick this year, so it's got to be a future second, probably. And they're valuable now, the, the 2022 picks. Mm-hmm. But yeah. also, I think that you could just hold off. I don't think there's any reason to, to get rid of Jimmy G and this you know, today or tomorrow across this draft, because next year's draft picks can be really valuable when the people are actually able to get proper scouting done. And it's going to be it's going to be a lot more predictable. There'll be a few more prospects who maybe opted out or took an extra year of eligibility. So I don't think it's any rush. And you can just play on the desperation. Because there's going to be, t- you know, there is a there is a chance that the Broncos turn up to the first day, you know, the first week of practice, and Teddy's just throwing to the running back and dropping it off every single play, and Drew Locke is throwing it twenty yards wide of Jerry Judy in practice, and they realise what what they have done, and like. We can't do this, so they go for Jimmy G. So they, they don't need to. They don't need to rush because there's no issue with having Jimmy G as your starter. You know, I don't think there's a problem with it. You know, he's perfectly passable. So you just keep him and wait for somebody to get desperate because somebody will. Because Jimmy G is, you know, if he stays on the field, perfectly passable. And a lot of teams don't even have perfectly passable. The only thing I'll say about that is I think it's really important that. Trey Lance, especially out of all the quarterbacks, has a mentor for this year, like the way uh, Fitzpatrick and Tua really connected last year to build that chemistry and to really integrate the rookie quarterback into what it what it is to be a pro. If you've got a disgruntled Jimmy G on the roster, then that's going to be counterproductive for the development of Trey Lance, in my opinion. Are you are you saying that Josh Rosen is not a great example for Trey Lance? You know. <laughs> He'd be a perfect mentor, in my opinion. But yeah, Josh Rosen. Yeah, <laughs> still scratching around on the end of the roster. I wonder if he'll be on the roster come week one in San Francisco. But yeah, then move on then to Cal Pitts. Any thoughts on Cal Pitts? Obviously, it was a bit of a, a mystery with the Atlanta pick, wasn't it? Because we could have gone Sewell, it could have gone Justin Fields or another QB. It could have been a trade back, and then they went ahead and just took probably what they thought was the best player available and and made their offense really really scary actually with Julio and Calvin Ridley. You know, they've got Hayden Hurst as well, who I don't rate, but in Arthur Smith's system, he'll probably be much better. Yeah, no, t- go on, go on, Liam. I, um, I, I kind of felt like that Atlanta were never going to take a quarterback because of the, the what they've done with uh, Matt Ryan recently. And I, I had them trading back and taking a defend defensive back in the kind of like uh, anywhere between the kind of 8 to 12 range. Um, I didn't think they would take Kyle Pitts, but I like, yeah, I like the fit. And like you just read out, Lee, that offense, that's those skill positions, it's just going to help Matt Ryan for another year or two. For me, I think 
it was a, a dumb decision by the Falcons simply because... As with your Dolphins hat on. No, no, it's not with the Dolphins hat on because um, you're going to get rid of Julio Jones. So if you, you're basically doing one-for-one swap with bringing Carl Pitts, so you're not really in win-now mode because you're pretty much where you are. The defence was number 27th ranked defence last year. That's not going to get any better. Um, you're against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, so with, with that defence, you're not going to be able to stop Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, et cetera, et cetera. So how are you going to run it back with Matt Ryan? I just don't understand that logic. So there's two ways they should have done it. They should have either traded back and got an absolute bounty of picks for whatever happens with Sean Watson, get to Sean Watson next year or get a, a quarterback in 2022. Or they should have taken a quarterback and, and they should have just let, uh, let him sit for a year um, or let him sit for a couple of years. And then that, then you can restart your franchise like that. I think the way they are, they'll probably be eight and nine or, or, or middle of the pack next year. And then you're in that obscurity where you just keep on searching and searching for quarterbacks. And it, I, obviously I've seen it with the Dolphins. So see if, if you're in that middle of the road, it's very difficult to sort of get your way out of it unless you do a, a full-on decimation of your roster and, and, and really start from scratch. So I thought this was a perfect opportunity for Atlanta to do it. Obviously they would have had the the buy-in time of a new GM and a new head coach. But I just think they've, they've bottled it a little bit. I love Carl Pitts. Like, Carl Pitts is an incredible player. He's the best non-QB in this in this draft. But I don't think that was the right pick for Falcons and where they are in terms of... In two years' time, Brady should, you would think, would be gone and the Bucks would be a completely different team. Saints, they haven't got their quarterback. So in two years' time, Atlanta should be looking and say, right, this is our time to pounce. And I don't think we're picking Pitts at four. I don't think they've really sort of had the foresight there. The other thing that happened was then uh, Carolina at eight taking JC Horn, basically saying to Atlanta, we're going to take JC Horn to cover Carl Pitts like he's done for the last season or two. I thought that was really interesting. Mm. Yeah, it was something that you called in the, in the group chat uh, last night. I think I think you're right, Roger. I think it's definitely a, a mode of thinking that I subscribed to last year with the Chargers thinking that hopefully they won't be picking in the top six, you know, last year or four in Atlanta's case, many years in the future. So you've got to pounce and take your quarterback. You know, so yeah, I can definitely see the way you were the way you were thinking there. But um yeah, I guess we'll see it, you know, play out and you know it's gonna be one of those those what you could have done, what you could have won maybe situations um as as time goes on. We'll move on though. And obviously we've got Ed who is a Bengals fan and you know had that dichotomy of Sewell or Chase that everyone was getting a little bit bored with. Ed, how do you feel about it now now that it's actually happened? Well, I think it was pretty clear. I think everyone knew it was going to be Chase. I, it was it was pretty within Bengal circles. There was a bit of, well, you never know, but it, it was always going to be Chase. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think there was any discussions on the day or anything. It was mm. always going to be him. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I think Penesol was the better prospect. Um, but I, I'm, I'm very happy with it purely because he has such a good connection with Joe Burrow. He is... AJ Green's replacement, basically. And that's such a big thing for this fan base because we've had great wide receivers in the past. We've had you know, Chad Johnson uh, and then we had AJ Green. And actually getting a guy to replace that and be that, you know, that real star in the offense, that star wide receiver is great for us because people talk about the offensive line and it is a big issue. But the main reason our offense wasn't explosive last year was because AJ Green was old and couldn't get separation down the field. He was meant to be our downfield guy and we just didn't have that part of our offense. And so 
getting a guy like Jamar Chase, who is utterly you know dominant down the field, uh, I think was a slam dunk pick, especially given his connection with you know Joe Burrow. And then obviously offensive line needs to be sorted, but here are some of the players who are left at the end of the first round that we could take. Well, there's what Creed Humphrey still on the board, Dylan Raiden is still on the board, Liam Eichenberg is still on the board, um, Tevin Jenkins is still on the board. There are loads of offensive linemen still there in round two. So yeah, I think, you know, whilst it's risky passing on Sewell and getting chase, I think ultimately it was the right move. And I think it's it's definitely the best move for us for moving forward. And our offense could sneakily be pretty good next year. We won't be any good because our defense is awful, but our offense under Joe Burrow could really take that next step. Mm. And then you can sort the defense out next year. And it's it's never going to be a one year deal, right? It was always going to be a bit of a, a longer rebuild and things like yeah, that. Yeah, well, the Bengals we are constantly rebuild. Yeah, they're, 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 it's just we we don't we don't talk about it as rebuilding. Lee, the Bengals don't understand rebuilding. We're just constantly bad and we just constantly pick seven times in the draft and hope for the best. Uh, I don't even think the defense is is the problem. I, I I'm kind of one of those people who's like, okay, our defense is going to be below average, but like, who actually cares? Well, well, let's just make our offense really, really good. I, I don't think we need to be one of these teams that are like, well, we better keep hammering this. No. Well, if we can make our defense passable, which it was at times last year, our secondary's fine. We've got the one of the best safety tandems in the league in Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Um, and our pass rush is... Well, hopefully it'll be better with Sam Hubbard back at full health and Trey Hendrickson in. We'll see. And maybe there's a defensive lineman who comes off the board early on day three or in round three. I think it's fine. It's not going to be good, but it doesn't matter. If we can have a really explosive offense under Joe Burrow, we don't need a good defense. Mm. So that's the kind of way I look at it. All right. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a good rundown, to be honest. And, you know, it's an exciting pick for sure. Now I think comes the raft. I know you, the Dolphins fans amongst us, <laughs> not very happy. Raj has sat right forward for, for those who can't see. And I'm going to come to you first because Raj obviously expressed himself on the live stream last night with Kieran. But I'll come to you first and just get your thoughts on obviously Jalen Model at six, and if you want, you know, go on overspill into Jalen uh, Phillips at uh, eighteen. Yeah, so I've come, I've come way more around to, to Waddle uh, with my two hours sleep. <laughs> I was a well worth sleeping on that. Um, but I think I can see, I can see exactly why they've done it. You know, you, it's all the sort of stuff that I talked about when I was kind of like banging the drum a bit for Smith in the last few weeks. It's the chemistry. It's the kind of get two up on his feet and, and go in and you know get somebody that he's, he's comfortable working with. It's the fact that the fact that Waddle's not like the possession guy down the sideline that we've already got two of in Williams and Parker. And it's also the fact that he's the kind of guy that can work over the middle, which like we've got the speed guy in Fuller, but Fuller doesn't really work over the middle. So it's something that we haven't got on the roster. I'm quite like yeah, I'm quite excited about it. I think it's the fact that it's the sixth overall pick that's the problem. If we'd stayed at, I mean, like, again, it's not really a problem, is it? Because if, if it's your guy, it's your guy. But if we'd stayed at 12 and taken him, then um, we'll probably sat here thinking, great value, got an extra first in 2022, got an extra first in 2023. But the fact that we threw one of those 2022 picks um, up to go up six picks, I, I genuinely think we could have got Waddle or Smith, but um, I mean, from kind of like one of the other guys I do my the Dolphins podcast with has got like a like a kind of team sort of sourcing there, and he was saying that it's always been Waddle since they went back up, and it's been locked in. They've known for ages that that Atlanta's gonna, was going to go Pitts, and thus um, even if it was Saul or even if it was Chase, and they were going still going to go Waddle there. So I mean, th- that's that's made me feel a bit more at ease with it. 
Um, I think it's just a bit more, you know, security. And again, like, I mean, I, I put a tweet out earlier. There's a, a deep ball that Tua threw last year, I think, against the Bengals and, and Jakeem Grant. All the speed in the world, burnt the safety, dropped the ball. And then you kind of, you put the you put that same sort of clip out from Alabama last year, deep ball, burns the safety, accelerates and, and you're gone. And I think that's the difference with Waddle. You've got the kind of safe hands as well as the kind of the speed. So I'm quite happy with that. And then Jalen Phillips, um, I just, I, I, I think Rogers in agreement. I just can't get past the concussions really. Like um, I read up a bit earlier, a few bits of research and stuff like that, that you know, three times, if you've, once you've had three like serious concussions in your life, which by all accounts you've had, you're like three times more likely to, to get another serious concussion from a blow to the head. So, you know, what's he going to be getting every week when he's, when he's rushing the pass at blows to the head. Mm. And so like, it just feels like, you know, massive risk for that, for that capital. So yeah, Braj, I'll, I'll flip your way. Yeah. Andy, I'm, I'm very much in a sort of agreement with you. I, I don't mind the waddle pick, but I just don't like where it was taken. The simply, simply, being that I think obviously looking back on that trade, I think Greer may have been may have been a bit trigger happy with regards to jumping to six straight away. Looking what looking at what obviously Philly traded to Dallas to go and get Devontae Smith, just a, th- a third a swap of first and a third round pick, that would have been so much better because then we would have kept our first for next year. Um, I, I wanted Devontae Smith ahead of Jalen. What do I just think you want? Give me a route runner with that separation they obviously they both have the separation skills but I just think Devontae Smith he can play outside he can play in the slot he's just he's just so adept at his route running I just that's the guy I wanted I like Jalen Waddle um I think for me the interesting thing is because we've got two new offensive coordinators I'm I'm really struggling to picture how we're going to use him I don't want to see like bubble screens and, and and just like gadget kind of plays I want us to use him in the slot properly and and actually try and create that separation with obviously you're going to have Will Fuller creating that space vertically down the field so in that intermediate space the one thing the Dolphins really struggled with last year was yards after the catch and that's the thing that we really need to make the most of Jalen Waddle's ability and I'd rather be doing that with proper design plays than these gadgets sort of these screens and bubble screens I know he's very adept at them but I just think it, that's going to be the really interesting bit, how the joint off- offensive coordinators managed to mesh that all together. But Jalen Phillips, who's off my board, obviously, like Andy, I've just been doing more research on him and it's not just the the concussions, but he fell out in love with the game and decided to, to pursue a different career in, in rapping and then decided that didn't work. So he came back into football. Uh, that, that, that says to me, right, is he 100% committed to this or is he just come for a payday, be here for two, three years, so the concussions have got worse and then that that's it, he, he's gone. Um, and and he's, had, he's had a major bike accident as well, so I think he's got, he's bang, he bangled his, his hands or his wrists. And yeah, it's just, there's no doubt in the talent. I think that's very clear to see. He, he is a very, he's, he is a very adept pass rusher. His 2020 tape, you can't really argue with it. It'll be really interesting to see where we fit him in our scheme as well because we play majority 3-4. I don't see him as an outside linebacker, so I think it'd be a 3-4 defensive end. But at at Miami, he was mainly a 4-3 hand-in-the-dirt pass rusher. But he was adept both outside and inside pass rushing, but it'll be really interesting to see how we use him. I don't think he'll be a three-down player. I think he'll be a rotational pass rusher on on probably third downs. That's where I see him. Um, And... 
yeah, I'm just obviously at 18. I wanted Harris, um, but even with the edge players available, I would have wanted Quitty Pay instead, just because of the sort of the, the concussions and and the uh, and the overall sort of picture around Jalen Phillips is just really worrisome for me. But it's interesting to note that from the video clips that came out on the Dolphins website. Brian Flores' reaction in getting Jalen Phillips, he was stoked. Whereas he was very sort of muted when get um, when speaking to Jalen Model, and that similar reaction was very that reaction was very similar to what what happened when we picked up Raekwon Davis last year. Brian Flores was pumped and he was stoked, and that that was proven to be correct because Raekwon Davis was probably our best rookie last year. So um, yeah, obviously I want him to succeed. He was off my board. Uh, I said before the pick came in on the stream last night that I I, I didn't want Jalen Phillips, but he's a Miami Dolphin now. No issues, obviously, with relocation because he's from from Miami, so he knows the area. So there's no straying away on South Beach and going clubbing four nights a week. So there's that not to worry about, so to speak. But let's see. Let's see. Um, Yeah, I've carved down a little bit, but... um, but yeah, let's just wait and see. But the media reaction today, there's a lot of positivity about the Dolphins' picks. Peter Schrager was uh, hated by the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago. And now coming on Good Morning Good Morning Football this morning, he said the Dolphins had the best draft. So who knows? Who knows? I'm not sure we agree with that. I don't think you guys agree with that. I think you, you're relatively pleased, I get the feeling, but not. You, you could have been much better, you know, much more sort of better served with those two picks. I guess yeah, it's kind it's, of a bit of a letdown, isn't it? Having two picks and then not getting the players that you're really happy with. Smith and Harris would have been my choice. I just think just that that, that was the nailed on sort of way that I would have gone. Um, I can see why we went defensive end, but I just think, yeah, underwhelmed is, is the way I would describe mm. it. Mm. Liam, did you want to come in for a final word on this one before we move on? Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm- I think it was a really good first round for Miami. I understand, like uh, you know, the the passion of it being uh, the team that you follow. But I really like the Jalen Phillips fit, and like the promotion from the the Hurricanes to the the Dolphins. I really like, um, like Raj covered his his scheme fits really really well. I think he's going to fit really nicely. His inside rush is as good as anyone in this his edge, this edge class, and uh, I think that he's. I think the ceiling is is super high. I I can see why. Um, where they um, made the pick. And I think, yeah, he's going to work out. I really think that's a really positive selection. I really do. Very quickly, um, I just tweeted from the other, other account. If, Raj, if the, if the Dolphins turn around today and, and, like, I don't know, they trade back and pick up a fourth round or something, throw that at James Robinson, the Jags. How do you feel? Because I, I quite like that. I also, like, somebody else just suggested that we throw, like, a third round pick at Ronald Jones, which I could, I could get on board with. Yeah, I, I've got three players in mind: Jones, Robinson, and, and Kareem Hunt at, at Cleveland. I, I wouldn't mind any of those three running back. I think, honestly, I don't think we're picking running back today um, because yes. I, uh, at thirty-six, I think we can get Creed Humphrey, and I think that's more important getting a centre to protect Tua than getting a running back. So. Oh, I, love, I love Javonta Williams, but the, the talent was dropped in the second round. I could see us getting either Kevin Jenkins or Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey, senior ball, I just I just think it's a perfect fit. Mm. Yeah, I think Creed Humphrey is the best player left on the board now. 
Yeah, great. Mm, interesting shout. We'll get on to we'll get on to round two and who's left a little bit later on towards the end. But but yeah, no, the really you know important night obviously for Miami is if you've got the all these capitals to then build upon over the next couple of years as well. So this is kind of the start of it, isn't it? Oh, well, I guess last year was as well, but yeah. Rebuilding down there and, and well on the way, I think, now with a, with a lot of talent on that roster. Obviously, moving through, not going to discuss every pick, but yeah, Penny Sewell, I think that was just a hand in glove fit with, with um, Detroit and Dan Campbell. JC Hunch meant some Liam first defensive player off the board, and then Patrick Satane to the Broncos. And then we got a little trade, uh, a shocking trade, really, you know, between Dallas and Philadelphia. Obviously, a bit scared of the Giants in some way, with Philadelphia taking Smith. And then we got the big trade of the night, didn't we? Dave Gettleman trading back for the first time ever in his career with the Bears and who took Justin Fields. And I thought, even though I'm not a Bears fan, I just looked at this pick and I just thought, that's an era-defining pick. That is a real, like, you know, it's like a, well, I don't know what the phrase is, but yeah, like a home run kind of pick. It absolutely smashed it. I think mm. that's, that's I've, I'm so pleased for Justin Fields as well, given the, the slide that he had. Um yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Fair play to him. You listen, uh, I, I think because Justin Fields in any other year would be in a discussion for number one overall pick, and you got him at eleven. Like the, the, it's just such a packed quarterback class. I think people forget how talented Justin Fields is. I I w- I'm under the belief that he's a better prospect than Tua and Justin Herbert were last year. That's where that's where I was on him, and I think you can make an argument in years past that he would win the first quarterback drafted and. They got him at 11. It's just, it's, honestly, I, I can't believe how they lucked into that. And it's a whole other discussion on the other teams that passed him, obviously. But the, for, the, for the Bears, that is such a huge win. Yeah, they, think, they're Big Ten and everything. He fits Chicago so well. I think it's a great all-round fit. Yeah, I think the scars from a few years ago of picking up Trubisky and not picking up Watson and, and Mahomes, I think this, they, they were still deep-rooted in that organisation with Pace and Nagy. And I just think they're on last chance saluting this year. And they had to go and get their guy because Dalton was not going to get keep them their jobs. So they are. it, it is go hard or go home. And for Justin Fields to fall to 11, to pick him up and not, not give away... The, uh, it, was, it was a sensible trade... Like it could have been a lot more, um, and Alan Robertson would be jumping for joy because I know he was he was really peeved off not being let go at Chicago, um, and yeah, if Rogers isn't there next year in that division, are the Bears favourites to win that division next year? Yeah, and I think this is the crazy thing about it is that Justin Fields is probably automatically the most talented quarterback Chicago have ever had in their history. And th- this guy is everything, and it's such a good fit for that team because they, they had Trubisky for so long, they had to deal with Foles, they had to deal with Dalton, and finally they get a guy who can actually truly be something. So I think it's such a great fit, and I'm really happy for Justin Fields because I've said this um, – before, but I would rather have a really angry Justin Fields who dropped all the way to 11 than Zach Wilson at two. I prefer Zach Wilson as a prospect, but pissed off Justin Fields is going to be, he's going to be absolutely really something. I think he's so talented and every single team from seven onwards that passed on him is going to regret it. I think for the Lions, I understood why they took Penny Sewell. That's such a Dan Campbell pick. You know, I completely understand why they did it, but Justin Fields is there, and they have Jared Goff. 
right? Carolina Panthers have Sam Darnold and they took a corner. The Broncos have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, who was two of the, you know, Drew Locke was objectively one of the worst starting callbacks in the league last year. I like Patrick Stamp, but they went and got a corner instead of Justin Fields. It blows my mind that they've passed on that. And I'm so happy for, I'm so happy for the Bears. And I'm so happy for Justin Fields as well, because it's a great fit. But I cannot comprehend how you would pass on Justin Fields for Drew Locke or Sam Darnold. It is borderline insanity. I think um, how obviously Deshaun Watson fell uh, a few years ago. It just got eerie similarities with how Fields fell this year, and I I, I wouldn't be surprised if he he ends up being rookie rookie of the year this year. He's going to be starting week one, whatever they say. Um, it, it's it's I, I'm excited for Bears fans. And I, I'm, it's not a team that I usually get excited for, but I'm excited for that team to see what they do with him. That was that was my reaction. That's what I was trying to get out before when I was saying it's like an eerie defining pick. I actually thought, sat back in on my sofa and thought, wow, that's like a that's a real franchise changer. And I've got no affinity to them either. I don't know anyone who is actually a Bears fan. I don't know one person. But I just thought, yeah, that's that's big for them. Really, really big. This just, it just changes the complexion. Sorry, it just compl- changes the whole complexion of the NFL, I think, that the Bears, who for years have had one of the best rosters, but by far one of the worst quarterback mm. situations out there, they have now a, a quarterback with a you know an unbelievably high ceiling. They still have a lot of picks in the future. I know they lost the first last year, but it's next year, but it's worth it. It's I, I can't comprehend how good a deal that is for Chicago and how bad a deal it was for everyone else, including, I think, other teams who should have treaded up. I think the Raiders should have done it. I think mm. the Raiders should have gone up to 10 and got the Cowboys to drop back. I can't believe they didn't do it. There are going to be so many teams who regret not taking Justin Fields. I think this is finally the moment where the Bears make something. So it's so exciting. Mm. Yeah, go ahead then, finish off on this one. Um, I like it though you went to the NFC as well because of Lawrence going to the AFC and the two of them have been their whole leading up to this moment they've kind of been ubiquitous with each other they've gone through high school recruiting college recruiting kind of neck and neck and now they're kind they'll see each other in a Super Bowl one day maybe but uh, yeah they can uh, if the fields went to the AFC and continues to see Trevor Lawrence as often as he did throughout well last 15 years of his life it's uh it's uh just a little something extra for him as well in terms of a personal thing and building his career that's a really good point actually yeah really good point really good point to finish up but you yeah, know i think we'll all be looking forward to watching justin fields in the windy city um you know for, for years to come by the sounds of things i think we're all really excited about that one um then we've got mark Pice, mark uh, micah parsons should i say going to the cowboys at number 12 Bit of a shock on that one. I wasn't a massive fan of that pick, but uh, yeah, good player nonetheless. But then um, we've also got Rashawn Slater going to my Chargers. And Liam, I just want to bring you on this one because I think you like this one more than I do. And I like it. Yeah, I think this might be the pick of the first round. Although, of course, getting a franchise quarterback is always the right thing to do. But that's what you did last year. And now you got the ideal person to protect him. I, uh, we've, we did um, a mock where uh, it, it slid this way and you uh, took Slater and I was kind of joking saying that I think you'd love that if it fell and I was yeah joking because I thought it was I didn't think it would happen 
and uh, yeah, to see it happen was was awesome. I, I love Slater, and I think it's such a good fit. Yeah, it is. It's a really good fit. I didn't think it would happen because I didn't think he'd be there first and foremost. I thought he'd yeah, be off exactly. the board. And I, maybe I read a little bit too much into Brandon Staley talking about length and things like that on the offensive line. So I thought it was nailed on for Christian Darius. Or as soon as I heard those comments about two or three weeks ago, I was just like, oh, well, I think that's kind of taken Elijah Vera Tucker and Rashawn Slater off the board. Obviously, it's Brandon Staley's first season. I've not really taken too much note of him in any press conferences for the Rams or the Bears or wherever he's been before. So I've never really heard him speak about what he wants as a head coach. Obviously, his first head coaching role as well. So yeah, maybe I did buy a little bit too much into that. He's spoken, well, yesterday I've listened to it this morning, um, saying that it doesn't really matter. And he's referenced Joe Thomas and things like that. All the things that I was saying when people talk about Penn Isool having short arms a few weeks ago when he did the Oregon Pro Day. Um, so it's nice to say that we're kind of on the same page with that one. He seems like he's going to be a great fit for the Chargers. You know, he's already spoken to Justin Fields. Uh, Justin Fields got no obsessed with Justin Fields now. Justin Herbert, and um, you know, it sounds like they're, they're sort of um, well up for kind of blocking for each other. And Rashawn Slater, he was in an interview with a few Chargers media, LA media, and he was kind of listing off the players that we've got on offense and how they made the offensive line better. And he kind of just finished his, his like what he was saying with "We're going to be so good." And he kind of had this like excited smile on his face. It just made me feel so good as a fan. Yeah, that's really good to hear, that. isn't it? Yeah. They- there's only we know how good this this offensive tackle class is. To me, that you know, there's a few teams that and there and there was as the draft went on that are going to kind of target. But to me, there was only like two players that you'd want to trade up into the top ten for, and it's Sue or Slater. And to have Slater forty there without having to move, mm. really, really, really good. Yeah, a real real bonus. Yeah, go on, Rash. Yeah, I was convinced that the Cowboys were going to take him because uh, just just to. His, his tape against Chase Young and playing Chase Young twice a season, I just thought that was so mm, logical. Um, but I know you, I know you Chargers have been craving that left tackle for years and years and years and years. And I just think you've got the team to make a run now. There's there's no excuses. Yeah, I think got to fill out the the defense a little bit in Brandon Staley's image. Obviously, changing the system a little bit, and I hope that's what they're going to do today. I hope all three picks we make today are all going to be on that side of the ball. And yeah, like, what, what do we need on offense now? We might need a tight end. We've got Jared Cook as a bit of a layover for a year. Long-term, yeah, may need a replacement. But for this year, like you say, yeah, offense is pretty set. Yeah, so pretty happy with that one. Then we've got Elijah Rue Tucker obviously going to the Jets at 14, as we referenced earlier. And then we don't have Kieran on the on the, the pod today, but he's probably still hungover after the stream. Maybe a bit too mad to come on and talk about this one. But Mac Jones... We were all a bit happy about this one, I've got to say. And I think the thing going back to Justin Fields earlier on is I think we were all relieved that it was Chicago trading up, right, and not the Patriots, you know. And, yeah, what, what do we think about this one? Matt Jones, is he the new Tom Brady? I know he's joked about it on social media and things like that, but are we a bit worried about Tom Brady 2.0? I know, Andy, you said this in your article earlier on that you released today. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, but, but not, like, a whole lot either because, I mean, it's hard to say that... that you know that Brady came out looking any, anything like he'd ever turn out to be like that, isn't it? But it's just not the same game, is it really? Like he's not going to have the same sort of time and and you know the kind of underdog mentality. He's a first round pick, and if he's like if he's as shit as he could be, 
then uh, he's not going to get all the time in the world, is he? And I think he's coming into a much different division. Like, uh, if you kind of look back at the division Brady came into back in the day, wasn't the strongest thing in the world, was it? And 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 it got and it got weaker over the first few years that, that he was the kind of starting quarterback there. The Buffalo Bills are the team to beat now. Um, Dolphins on the on the on the rise. I mean, like I said in the article, quarterbacks in this league now in this division now 21, 22, 23, and twenty four feasibly like you know that's like set for at least like 10 years sort of thing if everything went to plan for everyone there so yeah I mean I don't think I mean I think there's a chance that he could be a good quarterback I don't think he's going to be like dynasty quarterback because he um, we could have a, a division where one a different team wins it every year which would be quite exciting and, mm. and, and and quite interesting but I don't think I'm, I'm worried about you know long term yeah he's going to take over the league because he's just not got the athleticism that you know, you see time again as necessary in this game, and we know Brady won the Super Bowl this year, but he's just an, an anomaly. Anomaly? I'm not saying. You know what I mean? He's an outlier. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, <laughs> there you go. Look at that for recovery. Um, but yeah, he's an outlier, Brady is, and I just don't think that that you know. I think they might have drafted him with that intent. That you know, look, we can we can we can redo Tom here, but it's going to take a hell of a lot of work, isn't it? I think that I think the Dolphins should be thanking the 49ers here because I here's my big theory if you will I don't think the Patriots at any point intended to take Matt Jones was I think they bought into the idea that Matt Jones was going at three because you look at the offense they created what they did in free agency that offense looks to me like a Trey Lance offense I've said this multiple times they built it for a Cam Newton style quarterback they haven't really built it for Matt Jones and I think the pick's a good pick like they had to get a quarterback you can't you can't afford to say, well, guys, look at who we've got on the roster. We've got Cam Newton, Jared Stittum, Jake Dolagala. We'll just take a guy in round two and make him great because we're the Patriots. You can't do that. Kellen Mond is not going to be the answer there. So I think taking, taking Matt Jones was the right answer. And at 15, there's good value there. I don't think he's a game changer. I don't think he's a particularly great quarterback. But what he can do is execute an offense and he can make them... You know, they can make him a force because the Patriots went seven and nine last year with opt-outs, with Cam Newton throwing the ball. And I'm a big Cam fan, but he he got done by COVID last year. He wasn't the same guy. And if you put Matt Jones playing a decent standard in that, you know, in that team, and they have their opt-outs, opt-out backs, you know, opt-outs, but you can't tell me they're not a 10 and 17. They are. So I think this is a really, really good pick for the Patriots. And obviously they're going to get slammed. And I was going to be like, oh, you know, it's, it's the Patriots are not going to be good. You know, Patriots and the others. But they're going to be good next year. And I think people are forgetting that they're going to have all their opt-outs back. They're going to have a quarterback who can throw the ball now. And they're going to be a force. And they're probably going to be a playoff team. So I think this, I, I know Kieran's going to be upset, but I think this is a great pick personally, especially given they didn't have to move up. You wanted to move up and get Justin Fields. But in the circumstances... I think it's good. One of the things that's going to be so intriguing is the fact you're going to have to have two different playbooks for Cam and, and Mac Jones. You can't have the same playbook for both. Uh, for both, so the off-season headline is going to be who's going to be the week one starter. Because if if Mac Jones is the week one starter, then Cam's gone. Whereas if um, if Cam if Cam Newton is the week one starter, and you're going to integrate Mac Jones in it's a completely offense that you need to roll out. So I think that is the intrigue next year in terms of what is going to happen week one. And do they just give the keys to Mac Jones straight away? Because we all remember a few weeks ago, 
all the memes, all the gifs of Bill Belichick shaking his head and looking like he wanted to be swallowed up into a big hole after seeing Mac Jones overthrow the receivers and underthrow the receivers and looking like he didn't care on his pro day. So, yeah, I think I think the the off season workouts, the rookie the rookie workouts are going to be really really interesting. I think that's one of the biggest narratives going into this off season. Will Mac Jones be week one start for the Patriots? Mac is Cam written backwards. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on that anymore? It's a great line. But nope. Kind of opposite <laughs> each other, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, that you kind of stumped me with that one. Don't really know how to go with that. But yeah, no. Uh, it's going to be one of those, isn't it? Will, will Mac Jones end Cam Newton's career? Because as Raj said, if he's not going to play New England, then where's he going to go? You know, it's one of those things, isn't it? Where, you know, he's not going to have a home, is he? Because you know, he's over 30 now, he's had injuries, he wasn't good last year. And then if he gets ended by Mac Jones, who everyone was kind of laughing at a few weeks ago, then, you know, over, isn't it, really? Go to Green Bay. <laughs> there's, yeah. always, there's always a home. There's always a home for Cam Newton. Because... You know, the Lions have Jared Goff starting because the Lions one. exist. The, the Broncos have Drew Locke starting week one. There is always a home for Cam Newton, bless him. But yeah, I I, I also think that like I don't I know the offense is going to be slightly different because you don't have the running threat of Cam, but I don't actually think the concepts are going to change too much because well, from what I saw of the Patriots offense, it was just it was relatively similar concepts as they were just running it all the time because Cam wasn't Brady. I think you can get Mac to do the things that Tom Brady did in that McDaniel's McDaniel's offense. He's not going to be as good at it, but he can do the same things. So I don't think there's going to be a, a massive restructure. It will just be we're not going to run it down the middle seventy five percent of the time anymore. Miami needed a new running back, so Cam could probably be running back for us next year. Here we are. This is the start. Yeah, you need that bigger running back as well, don't you? Because exactly. You Thinking outside the box now, Tim Tebow wants to be a tight end. <laughs> yeah, again, the one thing that we can say less than said the better about that. I don't think he's taken an NFL snap since 2012. So, yeah, we'll keep him in baseball in the minor leagues for, for now, I think. A couple more things to mention. Obviously, after the 16th pick, when uh, the Cardinals took Zayvon Collins, it kind of became reaching season, didn't it? And that obviously started off with the Raiders. Kind of a, a year-old tradition, or sort of time-long tradition now of the Raiders and Mike uh, Mayock and John Gruden just kind of doing whatever they want, really, and just taking a second or third-round player, which they did. You know, like Leatherwood, kind of an Alabama guy, big mean guy, it's like so, so them, isn't it? And it's just like, okay, well, okay, you don't care about being good, and I guess as a Chargers fan, I should be happy with that. Then we've got a few other reaches after that. Who's everyone's favourite reach or worst reach? Because <laughs> there's quite a few to pick from. Come on, someone tell me who, who they hated. Tony, uh, we all hate him on this podcast. Well, not, we, we all dislike him on this podcast, don't we? But um, although I, I can say that he does compliment the kind of guys they've already got, and um, but so would Rondell Moore, and um, I think Rondell Moore a better prospect, and they could have maybe gone back another five picks and kept accumulating if they really wanted to, couldn't they? But yeah, I can I can see where he fits in between uh, Slayton and and uh, Galladay, but mm. yeah, feels like a bit of a reach. It was, yeah, no, it's exactly the same. Real, mm. uh, as soon as you realise where he's going to fit in, and they got Barkley to come back, so they're going to have a strong run game. Yeah, yeah, it uh, might turn out good. For me, Jameen Davis was the biggest reach because, especially with uh, 
obviously Cora Murray is still on the board. Um, and yeah, just for me, I think it, I think he'll work in that Washington defense simply because their front four is absolutely dynamic. But I think with with Cora on the board as well, as well, and being that hybrid safety linebacker, I just think. Yeah, that that could be a bit of a reach for for Washington, but I wouldn't be surprised if he works out there. But I just thought second round talent for me. I yeah, I like Jameen Davis. I gave him a, I think he was fortieth on my board, so I really liked him. Well, I think he's a big reach at nineteen, especially because Jeremiah Wusakoma was there. I think he was the best linebacker in this draft. I think he'd have been a great fit, but also because I think picking a guy at nineteen who has one year of starting experience to play one of the most difficult positions to play in the NFL these days at linebacker is really really tough to be good at year one. Patrick Queen was an utter disaster last year. John Brooks didn't make an impact for Seahawks. It's underrated how difficult it is in the in the age of RPOs and play action, all these different... It's, it's underrated how difficult it is mentally to be a really good linebacker. And I'm not saying Jameen Davis can't do it. I think he's a good player. But I think picking a guy at 19 saying, in you come, you are starting probably day one. You'll be the impact linebacker for us. It's not, it's not sensible because these guys are going to struggle year one and year two. And so I think there was better value for the football team there. They probably at receiver, Rashad Bateman, I think should have been the pick there. Play, put him opposite Terry McLaurin, make that offense really go. So that was that was a big reach for me. And I like Jameen Davis. And as, as Raj said, I think he can work there, but you are putting him in a really disadvantageous situation, which I think is a problem. Um, so I think he was a, you know, I don't think he was as big a reach as Leatherwood because I classed Leatherwood as a second round guard. So I, I know he's Alabama and I know he's a, a good character kid and Gruden and Mayock are going to absolutely love him. But yeah, <laughs> that was a disaster as well. But I, I just feel a bit sorry for Jameen Davis in that sense, because it's obviously it's great that he's been picked up in 19. He'll be delighted. But I think it's a tough situation to go into. Go yeah. The only the only thing is, is though, if you were Jameen Davis, apparently Rivera loves him as well and has been in touch with him for a long time. And if you would say to him, go in there straight away, pin your ears back and play behind Chase Young, Daron Payne, Montez Sweat, who are going to open up gaps for you, then that is a good that is a good situation for him. I just want it. No, go on. I see what you mean because I think. If you were to put him in the round one, I, I think Ron Rivera is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I think he's fantastic. Mm. I think what you know what he does makes it so easy to fit people in. It's great culture. I know they have that great defensive line. I just think that the football team are in this weird situation, right, where they they should be contending. They should be looking to win the division. They should be looking to go to the playoffs. Uh, as, as much as they've got a great defense in front of, in front of them, I, I just I think a wide receiver would have been a better bet because it may, maybe Jameen Davis is there, top of the second round. That's that's another thing they could have traded up for him. So, yeah, I, I do like him. I, and the fit could work really well. I'm not saying it's not going to work. I think, you know, I see why Rivera loves him. and I, Probably a great fit for the culture. But if you're looking at a guy and saying, okay, you know, you, you know year one, be an impact guy as a one-year star at Kentucky, I just, I just worry a little bit about how much value that will bring in the first couple of years, even though he's playing in front of a great defensive front, because yeah, it, it, telling someone to pin your ears back and go down is all well and good, but that's what the Ravens did with Patrick Queen last year, and it was a disaster. 
So it might turn out well, but I think in terms of year one, we're not going to see Jameen Davis be that value guy for a couple of years in my mind. I just want to um, shout out to someone. I want to shout out to Sean Halloran on Twitter because me and him had a little bit of a, a conversation a few weeks ago about how I thought Travis Etienne would have been perfect as the Jag second pick. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a good conversation. And I just wanted to remind Sean this morning that my thesis was completely spot on. So um, yeah, Sean, th- thanks for the thanks for the uh, Twitter ding dong. But um, yeah, I'll I'll, t- I'll take the W on this one. But um, I'm sure I'm sure Ed's got something to say on the the running backs as well because uh, I know that's that's definitely something that is uh, I don't know on his agenda. I mean, yeah, we're going to come on to running backs anyway, so let's just go with that. I just want to kind of give a quick shout-out. My, my worst reach by absolutely miles was Joe Tryon to the box at 32. I had a fifth-round grade on him in the guide. I was absolutely shocked, and especially when Aziz Aljawari is still there and he's still a good fit. I just don't know what you're doing there, to be honest with you, in Tampa Bay. So You wrote the article on Peyton Turner as well. What do you reckon about him? Yeah, I mean, I, I like him as a player. Like, his ceiling is all there. Um, I don't know if he should, well, he shouldn't have been picked at number 28. They could have, I don't know when they'll pick. I guess it's towards the end of the second round. I reckon he probably would have been there then. So they probably could have waited. Or, you know, if they, it was getting a bit tight with edges coming off the board, then they could have traded up or something like that. I don't know what their pick situation is. But yeah, he's a really good player. I mean, at least they didn't do what they did a couple of years ago when they traded up for Marcus Davenport and like mortgage the future for him. I think they're, they're similar sort of ceiling players. Davenport's only just starting to get good. Maybe you'll see the same sort of thing with Turner because polish-wise, not there, but athletically and flash-wise, yeah, he's all like ceilings, like magnificent. And I think he'll be a good player in the league. I was a bit shocked when they picked him at number 28. I'm going to be honest with you. I was expecting to hear his name called this evening. One of the interesting narratives from yesterday is there were so many rumours that the States were trying to get up in the top 10, either for Penny Sewell or a corner. So you would have thought at 28, they might have gone tackle or corner and to go for... Yeah, Eric Stokes was right there for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it was quite... And, well, Santo Samuel Jr. is still there. Mm. And it's just... Uh, yeah, it was just... It was sort of... Squib in the end, wasn't it? Because there was all these rumours that they were going to do a blockbuster trade again. But, yeah, interesting. Again... Interesting one. Yeah, obviously another couple of reaches as well. Jason Away, not a player that I enjoyed scouting for the dry off draft guide, but I did think it was nailed on once he started destroying his pro day. I thought he's a Baltimore Raven all over, especially because they lost like Judon and obviously Ngokwe and people like that. And then uh, who's the other one that we mentioned? Oh yeah, Rousseau, although we can kind of justify that a little bit, didn't we? I know you're kind of a more higher on Rousseau than, than a lot of people. I think it's a, not a bad fit, but I didn't expect him to go last night on that one. Call him. Um, the Buffalo D line that's going to have Gregory Russo, Ed Oliver, and uh, AJ Epineza is uh, that's uh, that's tasty. Not bad, is it? Quite a diverse bunch as well. One yeah. thing, one thing that I think was was overlooked last night is there was this massive run on edge rushers towards the end, and I get the you know, at the end of the round, and I thought Jason Oway should have should have gone a bit earlier in the Bills. That's what surprised me about the the Peyton Turner pick. I really like Peyton Turner, but. I think Owe was there. He was, for me, the better bet if you're going for a freaky athlete. But, you know, what What I think it really meant was that Azizo Javari's injury issues are real. And I think we could see him drop because if he didn't go in the first round, there's this run on edge rushers. I think he's going to plummet. 
Nah, he goes to the Jets. He goes to the Jets early on today. He was like he was your edge one. He was mm. my as well. But the fact that he went after Turner, he went after Owe, he went after all these guys, even though there's a run of edge rushers, I think that's because of this degenerative knee issue people are talking about. Uh, and there's a couple of rumors about injury things with that. And I think that is the reason. So I, I mean the Jets are right there, and it, you know if there aren't any injury issues taken, but. I worry that he might go because if there was a run on edge rushes and the guy that I think is a consensus top three, the top one for a lot of people, mm. I know he's top one for Lance Zerline, who does the NFL um, rankings, and he was the top one for a lot of people. So that's an underrated story here is the fact that Peyton Turner, Jason Owe, these toolsy guys with less polish and production went, and a guy like Azizo Jalari, who has been so impressive throughout his college career, and by the way, absolutely annihilated 17th overall pick Alex Leatherwood in the Georgia versus Alabama game. He was all over him like a rash. Now I know Alex Leatherwood can't deal with speed to the outside. He just seems to he just seems to have a blind spot for anyone who decides not to bull rush him. But yeah, so <laughs> I, I can't believe that he didn't go. It must have been a knee issue. I think I'll I'll buy into that theory if he gets past New York at 34. Which obviously we'll find out really, really quickly. But he can't go. He can't go to the Jets because that I mean the Jets were having a really good draft, and that <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> yeah, they start they start to really elevate themselves up towards the you know starting to win the draft sort of uh, talk, wouldn't they? If they did that. But this is why I love day two because you get these players that are right here for these teams that are bad, and um, if you know if they have a good start in round one, maybe had like the Jets do have two picks in the first round, then they get a third one that's like. Basic first round player now that all these guys have reached, then he's had to get a real, really good draft. And that's why I make that's why I say my day two's best day. Let's go on to the running backs then, just to finish off before we round out. Then, so obviously, we've got Travis Etienne going to the Jets, no, sorry, to the Jags. Sorry, Mike, excuse me, um, to be friends reunited with Trevor Lawrence. Um, I'll, I'll kind of take a leaf out of Raj's book and self congratulate on that one because I called that in my mock draft. There's only one of about four or five picks that I did. So got to take the wins when they come along. And obviously we had Najee Harris over to the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is quite a popular pick actually amongst everyone. Ed, I'll bring you on because you obviously are very passionate about running backs in the first round. What do you reckon these two picks? Do you ever like get the, just get that innate feeling that the, the urge to, to walk out into the countryside and scream at the top of your voice, knowing that no one will ever hear you. I think that's all I really need to say. I, I okay. I, so we all know that I'm not a big running back in the first round guy. I'm not a running backs don't matter guy. I think there are scenarios where a running back could go in round one, and I would not be disappointed. But that running back has to be Saquon Barkley, and neither Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are not Saquon Barkley. That's another issue. The issue that I have with these picks is causality. Right? We look at the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. What was the issue with it? Okay, well, you couldn't run the ball. Why was that? Now, if we look at data and we look at everything about football, the reason teams can't run the ball is not because you don't have a good running back. It's because your offensive line is falling apart. The Steelers lost multiple stars, including their, you know, their, their long-term centre, Matt Filer, Alejandro Villanueva. So that's three stars off the offensive line. Gone. The offensive line was falling apart anyway. Right, and they couldn't run the ball for love or money. They had to get the ball out of Ben Roethlisberger's hands quickly because the offensive line wasn't working and the running game wasn't working, and it was a disaster. So you look at me and you tell me the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, you know what we really need in this historic offensive line draft? You know what we need, lads? Right, just get everyone back. 
Najee Harris can solve all our issues. And I love Najee Harris. I think he's incredible to watch, but I feel so sorry for him because he's going to walk into a Steelers offense that has no offensive line talent. He has nothing to run behind. He can't do it. And if you're taking a running back in round two and you've got that offensive lineman, great, because he has a situation to succeed in. But Najee Harris cannot carry a Steelers offense. It's not fair to ask anybody to carry an offense like that. And he is not going to be able to make that running game good just because he's there. He's going to try. He's going to be a good weapon out of the backfield as a receiver. But in that situation, he, the running back is not the issue. He's not going to solve it. Your issue is the fact that you are going into this season with a very old quarterback. Then there is no Super Bowl window. You're trying to create one. There is none. And you have an offensive line that does not work. So that pick is abhorrently awful. Abhorrently awful because it solves none of your issues. Najee Harris is a very good player, very good football player. But it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't push the needle. Right? There are so many offensive linemen who are there. You could have stuck in there. I don't know what their preference would have been, but multiple guys could have been taken there. And so that Steelers pick, and I'm delighted they did it, because that's the worst pick of the, well, tied for the worst pick of the entire first round. So, yeah, it's just the causality for me. And then the Jaguars. I just cannot, I cannot comprehend what their thinking was. And I know what it was. Was it Urban Meyer saying... Tell you what works in college, lad. Speed. When you're facing four, six corners, three-star recruits at Michigan State, right? Speed kills. The Jaguars have so many holes on this roster. I think we were talking about this term, last time, Lee, and you made a point is this, like, they have a second pick. It's kind of a luxury pick that they could use on an offensive weapon like Travis Ezeanne. I see the appeal. But the, the Jaguars are terrible. They won one game last year. And to be fair, they weren't as bad as everyone thinks. They were probably a four, three, four, five win team if they hand benched Gardner Minshew because they wanted Trevor Lawrence. So they're not as bad. But their left tackle at the moment is Cam Robinson on the franchise tag. They need to replace him. They have so many holes on defense. They could have done with another corner. Again, it's a causality issue. Why are the Jaguars not good at football? It's nothing to do with the running back position because James Robinson was really, really good. And yes, it would be nice to have a home run hitting back. So if they took him in the second round, maybe, or got a Michael Carter in the third, or any of these you know, fast home run hitting, receiving running backs, fine. But at this point, you have so many other problems with your entire roster that Travis Etienne cannot fix your offense. He does not fix the left tackle issue. Right, he does not fix the offensive line that's in front of Trevor Trevor Lawrence. He does not fix your defense. You already have an undraft an undrafted guy, right, who came in and was one of the best backs in the league in his rookie season. So why, oh why, would you ever spend the first round pick if you know you can find those guys later on? So, look, as I've said, I'm not a complete running backs don't matter guy. I'm not. There is a situation where I'd be happy with a first round pick being one. I think. But in this scenario, if you ever have another hole on your team, you cannot invest in one. And so let Samuel Cosme, he's still there. Christian Barmore, still there. All of these talented guys, still there. So I know you like speed. I know it's nice that Trevor Lawrence has his buddy in the backfield, but it is objectively an awful way to build a team. I'm sorry I've ranted a lot about this. <laughs> but it's just every time someone even talks about taking a running back in the first round, or anytime anyone does it, I just I, I shed a tear. 
Just quickly then. So if they do take, they've got 33, they've got 45. So if they take Barmore, if they take uh, Cosme, like you said, put those four picks together as a group, then that actually looks very good. And you have Etienne on a 50, uh, the option of a fifth-year deal. So actually, actually, that makes sense because you never pay a running back a second contract. So if you if you actually, in, rather than take it in isolation, take it as a, as a group of four because they've got four, four picks in the top 50, then you can actually see the logic behind it. So I'll, I'll, with Harris, I definitely agree. I think for Steelers, that is, a, that is just daft, like super daft. But with the Jags, I can start, start. I can I can see the logic behind it if they pick up the two players, two players that have dropped into the second round. That that there is sort of the Cosmies and the Barmans. But that yeah. that the issue there is you're depending on Samuel Cosby and Christian Barmore to drop to you. And yes, they have in this circumstance, so they might luck out here. But having an offensive tackle, your left tackle of the future on a fifth-year contract is much more important. Than a running back because people talk about a lot of the fifth year option, but actually, these first round running backs are paid quite a bit for the position in terms of where they are in spending on the position, they're quite high because no one likes to pay running backs for a reason. So, as much as I see why, okay, if you come around away with your offensive tackle and your defensive help, great, but the running back is just not a need at all. So, I think you have to say, okay, well, look. It would be nice to have a running back, but we have to get a left tackle. We have to get defensive playmakers. So I see where the logic is, and I see where people will come out of this saying, hey, results were good. But even if the results are good and, say, Barmore drops to 33 and somehow Cosme takes to 45, that may be good results, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's good process, is what I would say. And just my thoughts on the matter is because there are so many good running backs in the later rounds that would have been a fit for what they want to do. Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Carter, there at top of round three. They will be great pick. If you want that home run hitting receiving option, there's your pick. And then you can still get Cosme. You can get Barmore. Maybe you get a corner. I don't know what you want. So I see why people will come out of this saying, hey, great. But the process itself I don't think is particularly great because I, I know the reasoning for the fifth year option on the running back, but it's nowhere near as value as having the fifth year option on your offensive tackle that you have to and want to pay so much money. Yeah, it, it's, it's debatable, isn't it? There's different ways to cut this. And I think I agree with Raj. Obviously, I've, I've said that in the past, but especially put it in my mock draft that I feel like you're guarding against James Robinson actually turning into a bit of a pumpkin as well, because obviously undrafted free agent, there's probably a reason for that. He obviously might be good. Different type of running back. Obviously, I know the Miami lads have been talking about having the thunder and lightning combination. And they do have that safety net of the 45th pick as well. So I think you, I think we can excuse it. I think we can excuse it. And I, I agree, because, I mean, going back to the Najee Harris one, when you were kind of um, going off about that, I looked up the, the current state of affairs on the Pittsburgh offensive line. And apart from Chuck Sikorafor, who came out a couple of years ago, and David DeCastro, I don't recognise the other three names on it. Yeah, and the, the Steelers ones to I, I again, I'm not going to like scream at people and say this is you know you, you are completely wrong for ever thinking this is fine. <laughs> I think it's bad, but the one thing I don't get, and this is my final point, is this thunder and lightning thing is put around a lot, right? You have your here's your, your James Robinson, your bell cow, and here is the thunder. Here is the lightning guy who's going to go up. I don't know why teams want thunder and lightning. 
Because if you have thunder and lightning, you know exactly what's coming at you, right? Oh, James Sounds James cool. James Robinson's coming on, right? They're going to run it straight down the middle. Travis Etienne's on, right? We know what they're going to do. I don't necessarily see the the point of having running backs who do such distinctly different things because teams can work you out. There's a subtlety to having a running back room where you have a bit more of a receiving guy, but you can also do this. So yeah, that's, that's, that's another part I could get into is I don't like this thunder and lightning thing was I don't ever want teams to know the roles I have for my running backs on a stick them out there and do all these different things and throw them into any situation. know they can thrive, but that, that's that's a separate issue. Um, but, hey, look, the Jaguars might come out of this looking really, really good. I just think they missed no chance to get a fifth-year option Samuel Cosme. And I think, given the situation there with Con Robinson there on the franchise tag, if they don't get a left tackle, they're really going to regret it. We'll, we will see. Liam, go on, finish us off on this one. Uh, just in terms of the, the running back class in general, obviously, Najee Harris and Etienne have been fairly uh, close in terms of grading and things throughout this whole process. I thought it was quite nice. They went back to back. Um, I've always I've been a bigger fan of Etienne for a long time. I still think he's he's the, the better prospect. I quite like the thought of him and Lawrence still staying together, of course. So I, I did, I thought it'd be quite amusing just to think that they'd probably like to play apart from each other and now they can't. Um, but I, you know they'll get on fine. I'm sure in the backfield in in Jacksonville. Mm. I just uh, yeah, I thought it was really interesting that the two running backs went back to back so soon. Yeah, well, like I say, we'll see how it plays out, and obviously we'll see in the early stages of uh, the second and, and you know onwards sort of from that, and how the roster's constructed and how the draft constructed by the, each of these teams. But yeah, it's a, it's always a polarizing subject, isn't it, with running backs in the first round and, and taking them early and things like that. And we've definitely got a little bit of that amongst us today. Lads, let's finish this off. Um, we've been on for a little bit longer than we wanted to, but let's have a winner each, and then let's just briefly say like what's the best player that we've got available here. Um, Ed, I'll start off with you. Um, so, I mean, besides the obvious winner, which is the Bears, I think the Minnesota Vikings mm. easily, easily the the winners here. They traded back, got some draft capital, and then picked up the second best tackle in this draft class, and Christian Darasaw. And given they have so many issues on that offensive line. Getting him in that position, I think, is such a slam dunk pick. So I think they had a fabulous draft. And not many people will talk about it, but that was utterly fantastic because you wouldn't have complained if Darasol went to you at 13, Lee. So no, I think him much later was, you know, was, was absolutely fantastic process. The best players available, I mean, there's, there's, now, I think for me, the, the guy that I was really shocked made it out of the first round in such a weak interior defensive line group was Christian Barmore. Uh, I think I know I was a lot higher than him. I think on my personal board, I had him. Where did I have him? Uh, I had him 14th on my personal board. And I'm shocked that after the college football playoff, no one made a move for him in the first round. So I'd expect him to go off really early. But the other guy would be Samuel Cosme, um, who I, I'm very surprised that he wasn't part of a, a run defensive tackles in the end of the first round. No, it didn't materialize, but I was shocked. So yeah, those guys should go very quickly today. Yeah. Andy, what about yourself? I'll go for a slightly different one. I think the Cowboys got one of the top five players in the draft and moved down to do so. Um, obviously character concerns with Mika Parsons, but um, 
man, that guy, uh, he's absolutely stacked, isn't he? He's going to be a, it's going to be a real problem for for um, those NFC teams that he comes up against regularly. Uh, so yeah, I really liked that. I thought then you know before the season, everyone was talking about the top five sort of pick for him. So great, great there. Um, I was. Not that, that surprised, but maybe like Rondell Moore and maybe Elijah Moore, both of those guys getting out, thought one of them would go uh, at the back end of the first. So a couple of really high uh, talent slot guys there. One guy I will take a small victory lap on not going in the first round is Terrace Marshall. Didn't, knew it was not first round wide receiver. Fed up of hearing it from Kieran. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can definitely I can definitely get on board that one. I wasn't massively impressed with with Marshall, not not you know in a great wide receiver class what we've got here but yeah Elijah Moore would have been a good pick for the Giants I think if they weren't picking Rondell maybe it's worried about his size and things like that Liam what about you you're obviously starting the day as a Seahawks fan but looking forward to the, the later rounds uh, yeah um, winners uh, Chicago and Los Angeles Chargers straight off um, a couple that we haven't mentioned I think Quitty Pie going to the Colts was a really good uh, pick and then uh, the pick after Caleb Farley going to the Tennessee to the Titans. Um, we've already got Christian Fulton there, who I was really high on last year, and that is a really scary pair of cornerbacks for the future. There, I think that's a win. Um, looking ahead, um, guys that are still available, I think Creed Humphrey is probably the best player still available. Um, Barmore, I agree with as well. I think that there's a quite a drop in the defensive tackles after him as well. So I think that adds to his value. Um, Jeremiah Rusukoromar is still there. Um, and similar to Andy, I'm going to take a little win here as well, because I haven't seen it with him in terms of first round and been saying it for uh, quite a bit. And so, yeah, seeing him drop wasn't quite too surprising for me. But yeah, as a early second, yeah, he's he's uh, he's going to be up there, isn't he? He's going to be sought after later today. Mm. Raj, what about yourself? Final thoughts from you? I think Liam and, and Ed took my took my pick in terms of the Colts and the and the Vikings. Um, but there's also another team that I think have, have, have won uh, in the first round, and I think it's the Lions. You saw the reaction with Motor City Dan Campbell when he got Penny saw that draft room was the 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 most pumped draft room out of all all the teams last night and. Any, any pick for the Lions would have been a good pick, but I just think Penne Saul being there is just, at least they, at least it keeps Jared Goff upright so they can actually make a, a, a consensus judgment on him. Obviously, they need to get a pass catcher in, in, in day two, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, the Lions definitely saw forward to them at seven. Perfect, perfect round for them. And then two players that I thought would go in round one that are obviously in round two, I don't Creed Humphrey's been mentioned already, um, but uh, Tevin Jenkins, the right tackle, I thought he was primed to be a, a, a not an Oakland, a Las Vegas Raider. So him falling into the second round would be a, a, an absolute steal. Um, and sorry, two other guys as well, uh, Elijah Moore and Asante Samuel Jr. There was a lot of first first round buzz on them coming into draft day. I think everyone, a lot of people had uh, Elijah Moore pegged to the Packers, but Budakans wanted to. Uh, annoy Rogers more and take a, a defensive guy so that's probably waiting for uh, them in the second round and then Misante Samuel Jr there was a lot of buzz about him maybe moving into the middle of the first round so I think that there is a steal there for someone to, to pick up a, a proper corner but again the depth in day two for corner wide receiver tackle 
and there's going to be two new position groups going off the board in terms of defensive tackle and safety as well. I, I'm really looking forward to tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the peril of going last in this thing that everyone says what you were going to say, and Ed, you pretty much said exactly what I was going to say about the Vikings. I was just thought Rick Spielman did an absolute blinder, played an absolute blinder there with moving back nine spots, getting Christine Darris on my OT two as well. So I completely agree with everything that you said on that one. Um, yeah, agree with you guys as well, Raj, um, for what you just said about the defensive backs. Asante Samuel Jr., I think he's someone that the Chargers will be targeting at 47. Whether he'll be there or not is very touch and go. Um, I, I think the Eagles, his dad's old team, might look at him and, and want him and pick about 10 spots before us. Um, so yeah, I'll be looking out for that one. And Trayvon Morig as well. Like you say, first safety off the board is still waiting. Um, I know we didn't have a great class of safeties this year. I don't, don't think there was anyone truly, truly first half of the set, uh, first half of the first worthy, should I say. But Trayvon Morig's still there and still a very, very good player. So I think someone in the early, I'd say first 10 picks, I think he goes um, in the top 40 or so. Um, so yeah, I'll be waiting for that one as well. I think he's one of my top ones that you guys you know, haven't mentioned by name. I agree with a lot of what you said though. But yeah, like I say, let's wrap it up there. Um, you know, we're looking forward to the, the second day and we'll get you next week. We'll be wrapping up obviously the, the rest of the draft and bringing in more of our thoughts. So, uh, just uh, before we go, let's give one last shout out to the full 10 yards scouting guide. Go to forward10yards.com forward slash shop. Um, it's complete as it's a discount price now as well, now that we're up and running. Um, and uh, also, if you're interested in looking at my uh 2021. NFL position rankings there on my Twitter at Liam66NFL. Um, I'm also involved in the Huddle Report Top 100 for the first time this year. So anywhere that you get your draft uh, coverage, uh, obviously you get it from full 10 yards college football, but you, if it's CBS, the ESPN, the Athletic Draft Network, uh, they're all taking part in that. And then there's going to be little old me in there as well. And uh, I've gone 32 for 32 after the first round, so we started nice. well. Um uh, but yeah, uh, head to full10yards.com forward slash shop and uh, get the uh, digital copies of the scouting guide where you can. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, really good. I'm really glad you stopped us there. So yeah, no, really good shout out for all so your rankings and also the huddle report as well, because obviously big um, honour to be involved in that, I'm sure. Yeah, it really is. I'm really, I've always like done it just along, along with them and done pretty well. And then to like be invited was, was pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you have to keep us updated with that and obviously we'll get a little update next week on the pod um but yeah no like i say thanks for listening and uh, yeah we'll, we'll see you next time we'll get a bit of a more in-depth roundup and obviously we'll be around up day two and day three next week as well so yeah sit with us and we'll see you then thanks for listening to the podcast for all your football needs check out our website full10yards.com or follow us on twitter at full10yards cfb and remember keep those eyes peeled